This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. So we are doing Hooniverse once again today. Zach Clapman and John Klein is joining me with the hosting duties while Glucker is off buying a house or being a father or doing something <laughs> like that. Or writing or filming. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's uh, he's like working or something. Working. So we've got uh, today, we've got um, Doug Herbert and Scott McKee from Breaks. Welcome. Well, thanks for Thank uh, having us much. here. Appreciate you guys bringing us in and we can talk a little bit about all things cars yeah absolutely uh we're gonna try and make this sound natural because we just had a failure to start but uh no one knew until you stepped no on. no that's okay <laughs> i call it a secret yeah no. whatever it may as well be truthful about it who the hell cares anyway um so you we were just talking about the fact that uh you guys have quite the storied uh, racing career i've i've done a lot of racing like uh i love cars and been involved in racing from you know, the time that I got my first big wheel, probably when I was a kid, you know, race from there to bicycles to motorcycles to boats and and then finally to cars and uh, fast cars and being involved with, you know, horsepower. I Why was, can't we have adult big liked. wheel racing? We can. They do. Drift trikes. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Now they have gas engines on them, which is totally safe. Have you guys seen those? Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't gas seen them. I have not tricks. seen them. It's it's a giant big wheel with the plastic tires, but you just go down really steep hills and you can drift the whole way. No, there's no brakes. It's with really the, fun. Yeah, we did that without the engines before. Just find the biggest hill you could. Exactly. Something hard to hit at the bottom. Exactly. <laughs> My move was always just down the stairs. <laughs> um, well, what kind of race? So, what kind of racing did you find the most success in? Because it's pretty uh, drag impressive. racing. I raced a top field dragster, so all around the country, all around the world. I went to Japan and did drag racing everywhere. So, burned a lot of nitro and had a lot of fun. Uh, I was a second to ever go over 300 miles an hour. Kenny Bernstein went 300 miles an hour mm-hmm. a little bit before uh, I did. I was actually the first to run 300 at Pomona when that was also the second 300 run. What kind of a shameful human being are you? Oh, 300, the second person to go 300? <laughs> I God know. Damn. Top God. fuel is nuts to me. I know, it's like the, I know it's the shortest race on the planet, but it is like the most violent, crazy There's a lot thing. that goes on in those yeah. four seconds, I can yeah. tell you that. You know, there's And there's a million ways to do it wrong and only one way to do it right. So it's a... It's, uh, you know, there's not very much forgiveness for making mistakes, either with driving or with the car. And that kind of relates to, uh, you know, everything that that I've continued to do ever since uh, stepping out full time of Top Fuel Car. Top Fuel Car, that is like the ultimate trade-off. It's either you risk your life or you scramble and bust your ass to rebuild it every run. That yeah, is both. like <laughs> both. Yeah. Well, being a car guy, I love that part. You know, were you actually wrenching is, on the cars too? In between? Oh yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. when I, you know, when I first started racing, it was like me and me and a couple of buddies that would come over after work to help work on a car. And you guys were racing down here in Southern California first, right? Yeah, I started racing an alcohol dragster in 1986 out here. So running at Palmdale and Bakersfield and up at Fremont, Baylands, and how fast? Sonoma how fast was that car running? Um, they, I think the fastest. That car went was probably 220. The alcohol cars ran about okay. 220 back then. And then, and then the fastest you ran at, at, at like 
two thousand what seven or whatever your like final championship was. What was the fastest you were running? Uh, over three hundred thirty. I've been over 330. <laughs> that's, that's not yeah. safe at all. <laughs> it seems safe when you're doing it. You I know. know. And then you look you're at it and you go, oh, that's a lot of explosion. Oh, Keep in mind, God. he's looking for more speed than that. Of course. you got a land speed car well, that's true. in the My garage. My latest thing, uh, we'll, we can talk a little bit about the reason for it, but is building the uh, Bonneville car. Uh, so I've been working for the last five or six years. Uh, Ray Everham's my buddy, and mm-hmm. he's been helping work on this thing for since actually since 2008. We've been messing with it, so hopefully we'll get that thing ready to go Very to the cool. salt flats pretty soon. And it's got two supercharged Dodge Viper engines in it. They're probably you know they run methanol and about 2,000 the 8.3s. Well, they're custom, they're all custom built. Oh, okay, you know, you know they're billet heads and special cranks. So they barely recognize they're barely recognizable as a Viper engine at this point. Yeah, right. All right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's basically a 550 cubic so you have V10 a do- engine, and that's that's so all. So you have that a Dodge V10 block, a couple it's of them like, basically. Yeah, two thousand yeah. horsepower. There's each two or of them. Two two of them, and actually the engines are counter rotating because the car is only 28 inches wide. Yeah. So you don't want you know that's the amazing. torque to twist the thing around, but four wheel drive. Uh, you know, twin engine. It's pretty. You know, it's a pretty neat car. It's an engineering masterpiece. It's got independent suspension on it. It's a, it's a neat car. What are you trying to go for? What's the, the what's the speed you're going for? Well, we're trying to break 500 miles an hour. <laughs> yep, trying to go 500 That's miles awesome. an hour with a wheel driven. You know, internal combustion car. Like, I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, we watched growing up, right? The Blue Flame and Craig Breedlove and mm-hmm. all these stuff. And those are cool, but they're not cars. You know, they're, yeah, they're, they're rockets or, or planes or whatever. I'm a car guy. Like, I need an engine and pistons and, you know, transmissions and all that. So that was, that was really, uh, you know, that was kind of the, the thinking behind it. And I wanted a project to do with my dad. My dad, uh, Chet Herbert, been involved in hot riding for you know, for since hot riding started, one of those names that goes back forever here, and everybody everybody knows him. Like you go and talk to Gail or somebody like that, and they're like, ah, we, we used to hang out and drink beer or something like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, my dad, I don't think he ever drank a beer, but I'm sure that yeah. he hung out with all the you know all those guys. I'm, I know him and Iskaderian used to go fishing. You know, so they're fierce competitors in the cam business, and then they go on the weekend and they go fishing and hang out and their buddies. Well, it's such a different experience. Like drag racing is four seconds, and Bonneville. Is, is it's just mi- a really long measure. drag race. It's, like, it's really long, but it's like it stretches. Like you're 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 sitting in that moment of speed yep. for every mile per hour, like for a second, and then a second, and you're just like really experiencing it. Well, when you're driving a top fuel car and going three hundred something miles an hour, it. Have you guys ever been in any kind of a situation where you're skidding to something? Like you're you know you're going to hit something, and your mind is going. It's like slow motion. As yeah, you're hitting that your oh. time goes kind of relative. Oh, yeah. That's how it feels when you get used to driving a top field car. It feels like it takes a minute to go down the track, just because wow. it's you know your your mind is you're, so you're in the zone. Is it? Yeah, you're in the zone. So of, when you're if you're doing two twenty versus a three hundred, is it is it a much of a perceptible difference at that point? Um, oh yeah. You're, okay. Yeah. I mean, you. Uh, you know, when I was when you're racing every week, I could get out of the car and I could tell within. I could tell the ET within a couple hundreds and the mile an wow. hour within a couple miles per hour, just because you know you know what it feels like getting out of the car or. And because I'm, uh, you know, used to working on the car, too, so I could get out and go. Well, we broke a push rod, broke a, you know, broke a valve spring. Or, yeah, you just you know, feel it you in just, the car. Yeah, yeah, you feel it. You know what it sounds like. You know what it feels like. And you get out. You know, do you, you probably get down to the point where you're like, I can feel that that tire on the right hand side needs to be swapped right now. 
Oh, I'll tell you, there was plenty of times I would shut the car off and crew chief would go, what are you doing? You know, why'd you shut it off? Uh, I'm telling you, something's getting ready to blow up and then take the car apart or, you know, you find out there's a cord torn out of the tire or whatever. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, you've got to, you get in the zone and you're driving a, one of those cars, you are part of the car. It's a machine that... You know, the driver is just a part of. What is preparation like when you're not actually on the track? Are you doing anything to, uh, you know, as a driver, not necessarily on the engineering side of things, but as a driver, what are you doing to, to get ready for racing? You know, because of the short amount of time that you're actually in a top fuel car, you do a lot of visualizing and running through in your head, you know. So you're you're visualizing and you're, uh, you're coming up with all these different scenarios. Okay, it smokes the tires. I'm going to pull the brake a little bit, uh, you know, maybe feather the throttle. Maybe one time you're just going to slap the throttle, and you've, you're thinking about all these things. Well, how much did it lose traction? Mm-hmm. You know, because you got kind of a G-meter built into your into your butt, you know, and so yeah. you're figuring out what what's it doing. Is the car going sideways, still going straight? Uh, you know, you're, and then you're just uh, all these things. I, I would come back and talk to a crew guy or, or a crew chief, you know, Dick LaHaye was really good. Dick LaHaye worked for me for a couple of years and Dick is, I mean, he's his best. He's the best guy that I ever worked with really. And you could spend five minutes explaining what happened on that four second run. You know, it's just, it did this and it did that. And, and I felt this and I felt that and I heard this and, and uh, there's, you know, there's a lot to it and it's amazing getting because back where i live in charlotte everybody's nascar guy and so NASCAR yeah you're guys, ready to fish out of water there i mean yes it's all automotive but completely different motors i mean those guys are uh, setting up wickers it's different just, but it's fun you yeah. go to a nascar to the big shop you know you go over to hendrix or to gibbs or whatever and mm-hmm. half the guys that work there they have drag cars you know and they go out on the weekends oh, sure. oh yeah they go out on the weekends and run their drag car because you can go you know anybody can you know, when was the first drag race? Uh, as soon as the second car was built. Right. <laughs> that, was, that was when they had the, yeah, that was when they had the, I mean, drag racing is so, you know, it's the most basic thing, right? Oh, gonna, I'm going to race you, and we've got two cars. We're going to start here, and we're going to go down there, and whoever gets their first wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's all I did in high school. And I guess so long as you're not beating on your equipment too hard, it's the cheapest form of racing you can get into yeah. as well. Yeah. You use bracket you know. racing and anything. Yeah, bracket racing doesn't matter what you have. you got yeah. a minivan down the drag strip. Yep, you got a dragster. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you just went for the first time a few years ago with Mike. Yeah, we made the we took his what ninety two Caprice wagon with, really? with Mike Musso and did bracket racing just because our the car we were going to film broke, yeah. so we just did it for fun and it was hilarious. It was really fun just trying to get you know we're at like seventeen and a half. We're like we're going for seventeen two. It's so yeah. slow. Well, there's a lot of driving right. There's uh you know driving involved with it and and uh, you know a little bit of situation figuring out what your opponent's doing and staging and and how quick your car going to react when do you what light do you leave on or, mm-hmm. which is a little bit different with the top field car but it's you know there's a there's a you know there's plenty of psyching out you know yeah. I mean, me and you are basically the same person there you yeah. go <laughs> I'm looking I at both of them resem- I see yeah. the resemblance yeah, yeah Caprice Wagon top field dragster sure yeah. so <laughs> with the I mean what's it been like since the drag strips have really kind of just been disappearing overall I mean has that changed the sport markedly or uh, you know out here they really have but back in North Carolina there's they've actually been disappearing a little bit even yeah. back there just because you know insurance property value everything changes but uh britain smith just built that big four wide drag strip in charlotte north carolina that's i've been to a lot Wait, of drag they're strips. doing four yeah wide four racing. lanes mm-hmm. yeah four lanes four top field cars at one time that oh, yeah. is it insane. is awesome how yeah. the hell do they insure that track 
And, uh, Britain probably self-insured. <laughs> I'm guessing. <laughs> I don't know. But it is can. cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is unbelievable. When they first, uh, I guess 2008 was the first year that we did that. And everybody thought, well, geez, why are we, you know, why are we doing that? Because we've always done it this way. Okay, well, guess what? You know, uh, well, we don't wear blue suede shoes it's, anymore it's either. Cooler. Yeah. Uh, it's and really cool. Cars. Yeah. And it's, well. it is, it is something to watch. Mm-hmm. Like it really is. So, uh, you know, even though some drag strips are going away, they built that new, you know, it's probably a $50 million track that they built in Charlotte. So, yeah, um, I, I think it's just like everything else, you know, the sports changing, the cars, you know, we don't, you know, back when we were kids, right, everybody build a 69 Camaro or something. And now that's I what mean, everybody's still building. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, but they're a lot more money than they were. You know, yeah. I think my first 69 Camaro I bought, I paid 300 bucks for it. Mm-hmm. So, well, that and cars are just, I mean, factory cars are so fast now. Yeah, they're like even those, even a custom built drag car. I mean, I remember when I first started drag racing when I was in high school, um, or just after high school. It was, I mean, it, it you were doing good if you were running a twelve. Oh and yeah. Now we've got factory cars. I mean, Nine I think seconds. my vet came out the door running like an eleven five. Yeah. Well, I mean, a 10-second streetcar back 25, 30 years ago was, was like unheard of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell, the Hellcat is like. It'll just dip into the nines if you put on drag slicks. Put on drag slicks, yeah. yeah. You can get yeah, you, you can get go GTR. Down and just buy one and drive it off the lot. Probably, That's the right? scariest part. Is you yeah. just, who are you? Uh, I'm a person that has seventy thousand dollars in a driver's license. <laughs> Sold. You're good. Yeah. You're seven hundred horsepower. Yeah. When you get your license drive? today? Okay, here you go. It's you know, see, yeah. I'd be okay if they were in a turb- 911 turbo doing that because no. anybody that's automatic. I mean, that's just like bink done versus a Hellcat. No, but you can get a little squirrely. 911 Turbo will still do 60 in like 2.5 seconds. So that you're putting your foot down, and then all of a sudden you're somewhere else. It's true. Yeah. But it's guaranteed to go straight. That's what I'm getting. It's guaranteed to go straight, but it's still, it's going straight real quickly. And most people don't have the reaction times that top field drags people do. This is why we need tracks with lots of runoff. That's all. <laughs> yep. And, and no matter how much runoff you have, there's sometimes the when it's not enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. Well, especially with you guys. I mean, eh, 300 well, miles at, an hour is a lot of inertia. Remember the Koenigs had crashed at Top Gear? Like, they had a runway worth of runoff, and they found a wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. <laughs> well, even at Bonneville Salt Flats, there's miles of runoff, and there's still yeah. guys that go into the mud that's three, four miles down. Yeah, it's uh, a whole different speed game. So. So you're going for 500 with that. I mean, does speed does that intimidate you at all? Because you've done 330 in four seconds, and this is you know. Uh, yeah, so a basically, Bonneville to me is like a five mile drag race. You know, instead of a quarter mile or a thousand foot drag race, mm-hmm. it's a five mile drag race. So that's just that's one thing I always hated about a top field car in a quarter mile or in a thousand feet is you're going down, and about the time you're really having fun going fast, I got to slow this thing down. Cars you are know, too fast for quarter on. mile now. I, it's I, I almost don't even see it. like eighth mile is pretty much pointless to me. Yeah. Like, Very boring. It, That's why half mile and standing mile got so popular because yeah. cars are so fast and they started running these runways and you can really yeah. get some speed going and sit in it for a little bit and it's really fun. Oh yeah. And then they got too fast for standing mile and now they're back to half because people start doing two eighty in like a stock body Gallardo with turbos on it and they're like, man, this isn't a good idea. Oh yeah, I'm so, friends with those guys uh, underground. Yeah, Kevin and. And uh, his brother at Underground in Charlotte. Because I years ago, probably it was about ten years ago. I they uh, 
built me a twin turbo Viper. So that was how this came around with the V10. Oh, so you're a reasonable there. person. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> 1,400 horsepower street Viper. Yeah, that was yeah. smart. <laughs> but a lot of fun. You know? Yeah. It's fun when somebody pulls up, you know, one of these kids that buys a one-liter motorcycle, right? They pull right. up next to you, and they can beat anything on the road. Well... But they didn't know that that Viper was you a don't little know bit I fast. Fifteen hundred horsepower <laughs> to the rear wheels. Yeah, Guess what? They are fast, and you're qualified. And scary. Qualified to drive it too. You, you. I are, don't know yeah. if anybody could be qualified. Those things. <laughs> oh my god! Doesn't we're talking about? They just don't go straight. I mean, yeah. you when you have your foot down, you're steering. I mean, well, even is. even the stock Viper will do that, yeah. and that's only six fifty. Yeah. Only. It's a, only six. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah. the terrifying point. It's like, and the newer, oh, you have 1,500. No, a stock 650 horsepower. And the newer ones will still go. A lot easier to manage than the previous generation, too. Not if you put your foot down, just flooring it. It will still. It's pretty, it used to be. And yours, you know, yours is probably doing wheel spin in fourth, at least. Yeah. So that's just that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Just crazy. Totally I crazy. I don't know how I'm still alive. <laughs> Live rocks in my head. They're just they used to be big rocks, now they're just little small rocks. They're still <laughs> <Eventually> become sand. <laughs> yeah. G force will do that over time. Yeah, eventually. Yeah, G force, parachutes hitting walls three hundred miles an hour. Yeah. How many how many big crashes have you had? Uh luckily not very many. But a a couple. Yeah. Yeah, a couple. I've only had one time where I woke up in the hospital. And found out I went for a helicopter ride and all that. I did. I was pissed. I didn't even remember the helicopter ride. <laughs> you know? It's like, damn, I always wanted to ride in a helicopter. I didn't even remember going in a helicopter. Well, see, these days it'd be on a GoPro. Somebody would be there and be like, ah, well, we're going to get it anyway. It's going to go yeah. on social media. Yeah, right. Yeah, back in those days, uh, yeah, we didn't have any of that. A camera, something that you would record on would be a great big thing. Now everybody's got a phone in their pocket. Probably better quality video than what we had on a camera. Oh, yeah. Very true. Definitely. Um well, I mean, you know, one of the big reason you came by here is obviously to talk about your organization, which segueing from having driving skill that you have, you know, someone should not just jump. No one should go out and just buy a Hellcat right off the bat. If they Probably have not. You should practice with like, you know, a Dodge Caravan 300 horsepower first, work your way up. <laughs> and the reason being that our driver education in this country is tiny. It's really brief. I think the word you're looking for is garbage. Broken. Yeah, it's bad. It's, yeah, it's driver's uh, ed is, you know, it's a necessary thing, but mm-hmm. it's it's state by state also. I found yeah. that in uh, New Hampshire, for instance, if you're 16 years old and you feel like you're ready to drive, then you just take your copy of your birth certificate and you carry it in the car with you and off you go. You're good. Live free or die, man. Really? Live free or die. Yeah, right. I live there. Literally. It's, it's... That's what I, I was just amazed that that's what the program is. But a lot what? of states don't do any driver's ed. That is um, terrifying. And Which so, states so we can avoid what? that? Uh, Arizona, Florida, South Carolina. There's, there's You're not naming any surprising states yeah, yeah, to me yeah, right now. No, there, there's a bunch. But it's getting yeah. more that Jeez. way. Because the first thing they do is, okay, where can we cut our budget? Uh, you know, we want to give these teachers a raise, and we've got to do that. So, yeah. what can we cut out? Well, driver's ed, we don't need driver's ed, you know, because the guy that makes that decision has two kids that are three and six, and he's not worried about. Wow, ed. I and got ten years for really. this yeah. is a problem. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And do, do they think that they'll just put the responsibility on parents to teach the kids? You know, because Cal- I'm from California, so here you had the six month permit process. You had to drive with your parents only, yeah. and we had to do a certain number of hours with an instructor. And you do that unless you wait until you turn 18. 
and then you can just walk. And then in the you door. just walk in, and you you bypass all the graduate. See, I couldn't. So, like, so a lot of states have have graduated driver's license process, which is yeah. what you're talking about. Um, it's not everywhere. And then, as Doug is mentioning, there, there's a problem because a lot of kids are waiting longer to get their license, so they bypass all of that, and they're still just a complete rookie driver getting into a car and being able to drive at any time with as many people as they Which want the car. Which is kind of what I did. I couldn't afford a car in high school, so I'm like, fuck it, I'm not even going to bother with a license. Um, so I didn't – I mean, I had been taught how to drive, so I just walked in when I was 18, and it's just like all you had to do was just one day you're 17 and – all right, and we're back. Slight technical difficulty, a.k.a. I moved my arm and accidentally detached a very loose cable. How dare you, sir? I know. How dare Stop you. touching things. I know. This, this is the problem, is when I touch things, they break. Yeah. <laughs> this is why we can't have an Australian or an Italian producer because you gesture too much and just knock the thing all over the Exactly. Place. Stereotypes. That's why you guys are here. Hey, hey, you Everyone's can make backing that away one. very quick. I can. That's true. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so let's talk about brakes, which is an acronym, of course. So if you want to tell the people what it means. Yeah, so uh, so we talked a lot about racing. In, uh, in 2008, my, all my life changed and uh, my priorities changed when my two teenage sons were killed in a car crash, like a half mile from my house. And uh, I figured that I must be the lucky, unluckiest guy in the world to have this happen. Like, surely nobody else has ever had this happen. Well, come to find out that car crashes are the number one killer of teenagers more than the next four things put together. So I found out really quick that it was a big problem. It was just something that nobody was talking about. So I made the commitment to, uh, in honor of my sons, I wanted to train their friends about being safer drivers. So I had about 50 teenagers uh, that I talked to about putting a program together where we could help train them about being safer drivers and got some, uh, you know, some of my racing buddies and, you know, SCCA guys, uh, you know, Bondurant instructors. We have BMW driving center back in Spartanburg. So we've got, mm-hmm. you know, a good pool of qualified, of qualified uh, trainers uh, to get together and teach these teenagers a little bit about car control. And, and uh, you know, my son, unfortunately, I'm sure it was probably the first time he lost control of his car. He just was going too fast and lost control of the car and, and uh, went across the road and a, uh, driving a little Mazda Speed 3 and a guy coming the other way in a Hummer, uh, you know, he went across the road. It wasn't the Hummer's fault, mm-hmm. but, I mean, there was nothing left of the uh, of his car and, the you know, the, the Hummer looked like it just had a little fender bender. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, anyways, bad situation. Yeah. I wanted to make something good come out of it. And uh, so the acronym BREAKS actually came from my boy's friends. I asked him, I said, hey, I need a name for this charity. We're going to start a charity. We're going to start training a bunch of teenagers. And uh, they said, let's think about it. And then about a week later, they called me and said, Mr. Herbert, we got a name for you, BREAKS. And I go, BREAKS, okay, well, that yeah, that makes sense. And he goes, oh, no, but it's an acronym. Be responsible and keep everyone safe. I was like, wow, cool. And so that's kind of that's I mean, that it's, started. It's commendable that you were actually able to you know, loop your son's friends back into the experience and Taking a very unfortunate event and, and actually get them helping to do something productive with it, too. Um, well, it was I mean, that therapy, had to have, too. Yeah, man, that had know? to have helped a lot with them. I mean, just be able to like, process things and like go like, okay, this sucked, but we're going to help make this not happen again. I mean, yeah. I, I could imagine – like I, I've had friends die in pretty awful car accidents, and to be able to – kind of channel that into something positive would have been a great thing. So. Yeah, and, and, and that's I think what that's, I, that's one of the things that you have to think about is, is when a teen or s- several teens die in a car crash or get you know irreparably damaged, 
um, it doesn't just affect them. It doesn't just affect their family. It affects all of their friends at school. Yeah. And, you know, it has a ripple effect. So All the parents, so, all the aunts, yeah. uncles, like everybody, it's a big deal. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah. expect, and, you know, not, not to discount anything. I mean, my, my grandmother died when she was 100 years old, and I was heartbroken. But... She was 100 years old. You go, yeah, you, you know, had a pretty good run. Really so she did okay. Yeah. And, you know, when my 17-year-old son dies, I go, well, he had a lot that he didn't, that, yeah. you know, he just didn't get. Well, it's a big shakeup, especially for teenagers when their friends go, because it's a, it's a mortality check they never see. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah. most of my son's friends had never been to a funeral. They hadn't, you know, they it was just something that obviously no one was ready for. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Initially, I wanted to train their friends, and uh, that was kind of my therapy to get that going. And then once that first year, we trained 50 kids that were all kind of the friends of my boys. I had a couple hundred parents contact me and say, hey, we want you to train our kids as well. And so the next year, we trained a couple hundred kids. Did, then, so did it all just basically start in your town, or was it like from in, all over? Yeah. yeah, it started in, in uh, North Carolina, in Charlotte area. And uh, so then we started training a little more. And then in 2009... Uh, the National Hot Rod Association has a little bit of a, uh, you know, they get a black eye once in a while as soon as these kids are street racing over here and they get killed or kill someone. Which is not the NHRA's fault in any no, stretch. No, but you know what happens? Yeah. The media calls NHRA. What do you got to say about these kids that were drag racing over here? And they go, well, they really weren't drag racing. They, but it puts a PR guy in a bad position because how is this PR guy going to talk about somebody's kid? that's killed yeah and the news is looking for ratings to be they're looking for sensationalism and all that so they're looking for someone to blame right and so the president of the nhra called me and says hey doug we would like you to be our spokesperson for teen safe driving you're a professional you know you're one of our professional winners uh and you know how to talk about this and somebody can listen to you even another parent and they're not going to be mad at you for coming up with a particular stance uh, you know, on, on some kind of situation. So that kind of led into that, and uh, NHRA decided, hey, we would like you to come out to Pomona and do some schools out here. And so we came out here and trained some kids with help from the NHRA and AAA, and, and, uh, and it just kind of grown. And, and so we've trained more and more teenagers, uh, and it's one-on-one, behind the wheel, mm-hmm. actual, like, emergency uh, you know, reality. I mean, we're teaching teenagers about dropping a wheel off the side of the road, about uh, losing traction. Uh, we put skid tires on the cars, like those big wheel tires. We put those on the cars. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're 15 miles an hour and, like, you're driving on ice. Or yeah. lunch tray drifting. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, lunch tray drifting. That's, that's, I was wondering what that is. Now that's Bob Bonderon's lunch tray. Yeah, no kidding. That is yeah. cool. Yeah. So. Uh, but, uh, you know, analog braking, teenagers, they don't know. They never felt what analog brakes feel like. So the first time they hit them and they activate, what do they do? They let off. That's funny Typically. because now, like, I remember, and you guys probably caught it too, is like when you were learning to drive, anti-lock brakes were kind of still newish. Yeah. And they and they just hounded home. They're like, that was one of those things. It wasn't, it wasn't a given at that point. So you're like, make sure you don't take your don't lift don't lift foot on the brake the entire time cuz all we ever heard before that was pump the brakes yeah, yeah. exactly like, well, it's, it's, it's funny at, now, at, the, at the schools we've got all of it coming yeah, in smash. um you know parents coming in and they are still teaching their kids because the last time they got taught their car didn't have ABS brakes, so they're still teaching the kids to modulate or, pe- or pump the brakes, which is wow. which is well, wrong. Terrible. It's just flat and wrong. So that's what my vision was about brakes, because brakes 
really for me is uh, it's my it's a therapy for me, right? I see these kids mm-hmm. come, and typically teenagers come, and they're at you know at seven thirty on a Sunday morning. They're pissed, you know. They don't <laughs> want to do this. I've been driving yeah. for a year. I got my driver's license. I don't need this. I don't want this. What are you doing to me? Like their parents, mom and dad dragged them, and right. Yeah. And then within about an hour, they figure out, whoa, this is pretty cool. They find out that they're instructor teaches the secret service guys defensive driving or yeah. or does stunts in movies or something and then all of a sudden it's like whoa i had no idea is that how and you guys you know, lead off the morning and be like hey this is so and so he's a pro driver this is so and so he trains you know trains yeah. secret service so on yeah yeah we throw out there a little bit just to get their interest a little yeah. bit but mm-hmm. then when they get some one-on-one time with these instructors all of a sudden it becomes you know becomes real and uh you know we have some pretty impact impactful uh, videos that we show them to really kind of drive home because just like me, uh, most parents don't know that car crashes are the number one thing that kills teenagers more than the next four things put together. And why aren't we paying more attention to that? I don't know. That's what we're trying to do. What was the the original lesson plan? And then, uh, you know, like, what were the the first things you taught that first class? That and then I'm curious how it's evolved. Well, uh, what I did is I took what my boys did was. Uh, you know, lost lost control of the car. Went you know went out of control. So, and I got a little bit of heat for it, but I started doing skid you know skid pad, and I had people jump on me. Ah, you shouldn't teach kids about that. And I go, well, look, I want them to know what it feels like to be behind the steering wheel and hanging onto the steering wheel and have no control of the car, so that they actually, uh, I guess it's a little bit of fear in their head that they know. Okay. Uh, I'm not driving the car. I'm just a passenger hanging onto a steering wheel. Yeah. I wanted them to have a little bit of a, you know, you get respect, right? I think we all have respect for our cars because we've, you know, I think you have more respect for your car. When you work on your car, you build your car and all that. Mm-hmm. Most teenagers now, it's not their fault. They don't have that experience. Well, that, and I mean, just after a number of years of driving, you just right. in the law of averages, you will have a number of you near misses. Right. You will right. have, You will have a number of near misses, and chances are, they weren't misses on a couple of occasions. Right. So what we're trying to do is give these teenagers that experience without actually having the a, a real-life situation on the road. So they're getting, you know, it's a closed course. They've got an instructor there telling them what to do, and we're putting them in a bad spot, you know, that they've got to make an emergency lane change or they've got to uh, get a wheel off the side of the road on, a, you know, in the, it's in the gravel or whatever or activating the analog brakes or distractions. You know, we have, we have some courses we do with distraction. Um, that's a great idea so you, you, you have other people in the car talking trying to distract them and then yep. like yeah, running the same track with them tell them to change the you know radio station or text their parent who is sitting over in a tent watching them kill cones yeah. whoa so, mm-hmm. so you like run the course and then run it with distraction and yep. you show them the difference. so they'll go through once with that's no so distraction smart. and they like it's you know as long as you pay attention you got it but as soon as you've got some distractions it's cone 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 and the instructors are going that was a dog you just hit a dog you know yeah. and and trying to make it a little bit like that's, real that's life. Then yeah. they really see because if you know you go out with your your friends and you're in high school, it's like oh don't change the radio, don't mess around. Yeah, 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 I got it because your whole it. attitude when you're 16, you're invincible. I got it, and but yeah, yeah. that shows them concrete like you are messing up. When you're 16, hell, most of the drivers in Los Angeles are like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you go true. around and everybody has their face buried in their true. cell phone, drifting in and out of lanes. Yeah. I think I think you have the confidence. You know, yeah. at random intervals. Yeah. I mean, this would be a yeah. great lesson for anybody 
Well, we've well, been that's, lucky to uh, have the experiences, but yeah. Right, and that's the thing. So we actually require the parents to come with the teenagers because they're teaching their teenagers what to do. In other words, you need to teach them that they don't know how to drive either. Exactly. You <laughs> got it. Exactly. So we've got another. Most of them figure it out. Yeah. Most yeah. of them, during the course of the school, the parents actually say, wow, I didn't realize I had all of these bad habits, and I'm imparting those to my kid. Yeah. My yeah. kid's been watching me for 15 years or 16 years driving and I haven't been doing the right thing. So, and I try and put a little bit of my personal story into that uh, so that I think that besides the skills that we're teaching them, uh, I try to put the more of a value on the relationship with the parent and the teenager. So, you know, that same teenager that was kind of kicking and screaming when they came in the morning, they leave in the afternoon with their arm around their mom or dad going, Hey, you know, I'm sorry I was being a pain this morning, but this was really cool. I'm glad you brought me. So it's a, it's a transition and there's all kinds of things that just happened that I didn't really know, uh, Mm -hmm. when I started, but we've started figuring things out like, wow, this is really good. We had no idea this was going to happen. Like the relationship building part. And, uh, so you know, it's it's been rewarding, and and uh, for a long time we didn't know if what we were doing was was good. You know, we'd get a letter in the mail, or somebody would s- call us and say, "Hey, something I learned at Breaks helped save my life," and we go, "Oh, wow, cool!" You know, and we got all revved up. Well, then last year, uh, actually, at the beginning of this year, we had the University of North Carolina took our student base in North Carolina, which is about five thousand teenagers that we've taught in North Carolina, and analyzed the driving records over a five year period from those teenagers, which are now maybe 22 years old, mm-hmm. uh, analyzed their driving records and found out that they were having 64% less crashes than ones that haven't you mean had advanced training. properly taught drivers are better? You got it. Amazing, <laughs> right? Mathematically <laughs> proven, yes. But, uh, you know, I, I, would have get, I would have been happy if you'd have told me, hey, they're 10% better. I would have thought that was great. When the professor, uh, Dr. Frederick, has you know, called me up and, to tell me this, Actually, he didn't even call me up. He said, I need to come and see you and tell you in person. And I was, I was blown away. brought tears in my eyes. How, you know, how many, uh, you know, how many people, how many teenagers have we kept from crashing or getting hurt or even killed? I don't know. It's huge. So beyond the driving skills, do you go through basic, like, mechanical stuff of, like, hey, make sure your tires are good and your brakes don't suck? Oh, yeah. yeah. We do a ground school. So about the first 45 minutes is a ground school. We're talking to him about their car, uh, about cars in general, you know, you do a little pre-flight on your car before you get in, you know, just take a look at it, make sure your little brother's not sitting behind it or, you know, Mm -hmm. the tire's not flat or whatever. So right from the pre, uh, you know, the pre-drive inspection all the way through to teaching them about vehicle dynamics and uh, what they can expect to learn in the class and, uh, you know, it's skid avoidance and ABS brakes and all the different things. I think as, as Doug's listing off all of the things that we teach in the class, it's important to actually say it. This is not a learn-to-drive school. So we started out yeah. talking about driver's ed. Driver's ed is a necessary thing, but brakes is not a learn-to-drive school. So we actually require that um, when kids come, they have at least 30 hours behind the wheel and, and it's even better if they have better more. if they have more if they've been out driving on their own more. for a year or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because yeah, then two things happen: they get experience, but then they also kind of think, you know, we were sixteen before too, right? You know everything. When you're sixteen, you are smart. Your parents are stupid, and then all of a sudden, all that is still true. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> for, for anybody that's sixteen, right, or seventeen, or eighteen, or whatever. thirty-four. 30. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you know, uh, slow learner, <laughs> uh, but. 
so it's been a very rewarding uh, it's been a very rewarding thing to to have uh, to be able to make an impact. Like it's, frankly, it's, 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 I mean, it's a fun way to spend a you know a morning out driving mm-hmm. and teaching skills and stuff like that. I oh mean, yeah, but people, teenagers don't know that when they're coming. All yeah. they hear is driving school. They hear what? the word school. Yeah, and yeah. like oh my gosh, they don't want that. But it turns around. Uh, a lot of times, we'll have those same teenagers that come with their parents. Will come back. They say, hey, I want to. I want to do more. Uh, you know the skid pad stuff. I want to do more of this, more of that. Hey, well, here's what you do. You got to come back and volunteer and help us pick up cones and do some of this stuff, and then we'll put you out there and you get to drive. All right. That's, so then we end right. up with, you know, with volunteers that come out and want to help us because they want to, you know, they're, they they, they want to learn they, more. They want to learn more. Yeah. How long is the class? It's just the it's one. It's only day? four hours. It's oh, a half wow. a day. Wow. Yeah, it's a half a day. So it's like drinking four. from a fire hose for four hours. And you know we we. We know we can't teach them everything in four hours, but we can only yeah. keep their attention probably for four hours, and even that's stretching it yeah. sometimes. But, but still, I mean, four hours, and that you've imparted that much knowledge that it's changed sixty. What was it? Sixty four percent. Sixty four percent. Sixty four percent in four hours. That's a huge. Unbelievable. I mean, imagine if your your program could be even longer. You could change a lot more. Well, well and I think a biggest. Well, no, I don't know about the biggest, but a big part of what we teach them is that that you don't know everything. Just yeah. keep in mind, you don't know everything. And keep in mind, what we're teaching here is just a little bit, but there's a lot more to learn. And I think once we get them to realize that there's more to learn, then, you know, they kind of open up They're more susceptible the idea. To yeah. Yeah. I mean, the of skills that they learn are, are just a set of skills. They're valuable, but they, they're also perishable. Um, but it's this mindset shift that's a different thing. And, and actually, if you look at the data in, in this study and you go beyond three or five years, they actually, it gets even better. Because you put them on a new path for paying attention to, to their driving, and they just keep getting better and better mm-hmm. and better, as opposed to you know somebody who doesn't have that. Um, it's what is it? Eighty nine point two percent chance you're going to be in a crash in the first three years you drive. Eighty nine, nearly ninety percent mm-hmm. of, wow. of people yeah. in their first three years crash. I was one of those people. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I know. I, I, Odds I, are that honestly, you're a statistic. I, I am a statistic, although it really. Wasn't my fault. I I was. That's what they all say. Yeah. <laughs> this this time it, it was not my fault. Like I I was making a turn at night. Um, a lady without her lights was uh, coming the other way. T boned me at about fifty five miles an hour, whoa. and I didn't see a thing. Wow. I mean, I think the statistic though, it's like you're you're just gonna, you're gonna be involved in one. It's not putting blame. Yeah, it's just you're right. gonna be exactly. in a crash of some kind. Well, and that's the thing is yeah. once these teenagers, even though it's only a four hour program, they've got more training than ninety five percent of all oh, drivers yeah, yeah. on the road. Well, you, know, I, you guys know you if I had a class and, like that, uh, there would have been a very simple accident I was involved in when I was you know, like eighteen and a half. That it was um, you know I went around a it was, it was in Florida, go around a corner, and somebody had taken sprinklers and turned them out into the road. Mm. And just with the grime on the road and that, I didn't expect it. That wasn't a place that would normally – it wasn't raining. Yeah. So you just go around like you're normally going. Next thing you know is rear end steps out on the on, – you know, I'm driving a Camaro at that point and yeah. steps out and starts turning into a tank slapper. And I had no idea how to handle that at that point. Yeah. If, you know, if I'd taken your school, I at least probably wouldn't have panicked. Yeah, it's funny, you know, right? You're reading the book and it's steering to the skid. Well, what do you do then? So yeah, we, yeah, you know, we teach them, what do you do then? Yeah. You know, steering yeah, to the skid and then you do this. And you shoot across the road with a second reaction slide. <laughs> Great. I mean, I think one of the most valuable things I'm, I'm hearing is you expose them to the consequences of mistakes before there are real uh, consequences. consequences to the mistakes. And we actually, you know? like, we actually don't. 
we we put them in a position where they've got to make a mistake where they just don't know right and then all of a sudden they go whoa yeah now i know what i didn't know or what i didn't think and, and that you, know, I didn't know or you whatever. put them in that that skid on the plastic tires and they go oh this is what happens when a car's out of control because they watch if you grow up not driving in the snow and then also watching movies you see cars sliding you're like oh it's easy i got this and we see Everyone this can do in it. the canyons a lot <laughs> yeah. is young kids <laughs> trying to drift for like the third time ever on a on a corner with real consequences and it goes very wrong or perfect example is the focus rs video that came out over the weekend where it's just mm-hmm. guy gets a brand new focus rs it's good drift mode i'm superman instantly well well he lifted throttle right before a wall and of course immediately hooks and then straight into the wall mm-hmm. you know so, the, so they're exposed like the, the knowledge it puts them on the path of oh i understand what mistakes can result in so now i don't put myself in those positions and if they are in them by accident then they can hopefully correct that the the situation even just knowing what it feels like when you're at the limit of adhesion on a set of tires and just being able to tell oh it's gonna break soon you know Mm -hmm. i'm gonna break traction soon that's not a circumstance that like your parents teach you when you're driving right because don't they don't want to do that while they're in the car. We don't want parents well, to teach that. That's, yeah. that's one of the reasons why brakes works, too, is because um, Kia gives us a bunch of cars. And so one of the first things that you tell a kid when they get in the car is floor it. What parent has ever told their kid, get <laughs> yeah. in my car and floor it? I want well, you to then activate the analog brakes. They don't brakes. want to push yeah. hard on the brakes. Yeah, exactly. We tell them, hey, we'll pay you 100 bucks if you can break that brake pedal. Oh, man, they will hit it really hard <laughs> yeah. if they think there's 100 bucks in it for them. And no. That's how you need to do it. Yeah. So you get to thrash on somebody else's car, which is which is valuable yeah. learning yeah. time. Yeah. So Kia provides – we actually have two fleets of cars. We have a West Coast fleet and an East Coast fleet, 20, uh, 22 cars on each side. So we can – you know, we can – I hope those never kids. hit the used market. Yeah. <laughs> well used. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't – yeah, just a low-mileage car. A little old lady in Pasadena, I'm sure, as <laughs> you <laughs> drove it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No worse than journalist car, journalism cars. That's uh, or no. a rental car. Yeah. Or that. Yeah. No, journalist cars are way worse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I the journalist at the end of the table. <laughs> <laughs> they're way worse. Yeah. They're yeah, pretty haggard. Um, but uh, so when when the actual – what's it, the curriculum looks like? So you go into what kind of maneuvers are you doing with them? Uh, we're doing uh, an accident avoidance, like a like an emergency lane change. Yep. We're doing a drop wheel recovery. Uh, okay. In most rural areas, the drop wheel thing is the number one thing by far, uh, wow. causing fatal crashes. They People just wheel. going off the okay. Yeah, they drop wheel well, off the shoulder and then they jerk it and they not paying attention the for a minute and yeah, right. yeah. Or they look down uh, or or they're just driving along in a daze, whatever, and they either hook it and go into a ditch or they go across and hit somebody else head on. Uh, coming the other way. So that's a big one. We do the analog braking uh, to teach them what they feel like and also that you can steer the car. You know, activate the analog brakes and steer it around uh, obstacle. Uh, we do that for them. We do, uh, we do uh, uh, the skid, you know, skid avoidance, skid pad, mm-hmm. basically to, you know, teach them how to steer into the skid, how to steer out of the skid. What do you do? An oversteer, understeer. We're showing them, putting them all these different situations so that they know how to react when there's, something happens because that's what they really need to do is they need to know how to react you can't think you got to react yeah mm-hmm. there's, a, there's another one that, that opens a lot of eyes both for the for the uh teens and for the parents when we park a truck you yeah. know big rig an 18 wheeler and we'll put a cone out in front of it and say okay you can stop right about there that cone way down there that's where he can stop because he's eighty thousand pounds so the next time you're thinking about cutting off a truck 
you're taking your own life in your hands. And then, and then we also park cars around the, the rig and then have the kid get in the driver's seat. And every, all they six disappear. of those cars disappear because they're all in blind spots. Yeah. But they don't know that because they've never been in that seat before. So that's that's something that's pretty eye-opening. That's a very good idea. Because, I mean, you see it all the time around here in L.A. People just – they have if you've never trailered a vehicle before, you have no appreciation for how terrifying that moment is when some jerko, you know, decides to cut you off. People just don't have – I mean, even in a smaller circumstance, I mean, people have no respect for blind spots on cars whatsoever. I don't think most people are even cognizant of the fact that – that exists really outside of their own little bubble. No, because right. that's why they have blind spot monitors because people just forgot to pay attention, so they need a light that goes, "Hey, there's a car there," <laughs> and you're not in the oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got it. Well, so yeah, like Scott was saying, the uh, the big rig exercise is pretty neat because no teenagers or not many teenagers have actually sat in a, the cab of a truck mm-hmm. to know and realize what's going on around them, I and mean, they don't realize they weigh eighty thousand pounds compared to your car that weighs three thousand, four thousand, whatever. Yeah. A lot different deal. Uh, another really neat thing that we've been able to accomplish with Kia's help is they donate like pre-production cars to us. So we work with fire departments all around the country and they come out and do like a jaws of life demonstration on the cars and a life flight comes in. So we do probably about a 10 or 15 minute exercise, basically showing what happens in an emergency. And I'll tell you what, when the jaws of life are cutting a car apart, you should see these not only the teenagers but the parents faces looking at that going whoa that's serious yeah. or you know the airbags going off and, and that's pow! assuming that the jaws of life will even work on a car because some cars are so strong now they can't even yeah the b pillars especially yep. are hard to cut but yeah, it, uh-huh. and usually the the you know the fire chief is is sort of commentating over it and saying now imagine you're sat in there and your leg is broken in four places and you're screaming bloody murder and you smell and these smoke. guys are trying to get you yeah. out of the car before yeah before yeah. it catches on fire or something so it makes an impression on everybody. Every, every now and then you drive by high school and you see the car that was clearly crashed and cut open, or maybe it's just demonstrated, but it's on, like, the front lawn. It's, whew, it's, like, it's usually about prom time that they yeah. pull those yeah. out. Yeah, yeah there's a, there's a yeah. bunch of programs like that. There's another one, uh, Impact Teen Drivers, that goes around and does talks. And and we're supportive of all of those programs. I, we think they it's great to raise awareness. But there's no substitute for getting them behind the wheel. Yeah. yeah. And you're going to get more attention. You're going to get their attention having them do something. Yeah. Adrenaline spike. You know, all these things that are happening versus, hey, we're here to – everyone take off your lunch hour. We're going to talk about you – know, <laughs> yeah. well, well, one well, of the yeah. big things that I like to get across, like we're car guys. We mm-hmm. like cars. And teenagers now don't have as much exposure to cars, right? There's not an auto shop at most high schools now, which is unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, our friend uh, Rick that, that often frequents this show, he, he runs an auto shop program that is just being shut down. Yeah. See, it's sad. I mean, kids, that kept, we were talking about that a little bit ago, the cars, that gave us something to do, you know? I mean, you're not doing drugs, you're not drinking because you're working mm-hmm. on your car. It's a, yeah. you know, it's your, it's your thing. And I have a passion for cars, and I always have, and I that was one thing that I also wanted Brakes to be able to accomplish is to pass a little bit of that uh, passion over to these teenagers to get them to realize, hey, cars are a lot more than just transportation. You know, they're cool. They're, uh, you know, you got wheels, you tires, you customize a thing, and SEMA, uh, you know, what all of what SEMA is about, right? All the yep. aftermarket works and aftermarket cars and 
there's, well, there's I mean, a there's, lot too. There's a lot of good career paths in there that is just completely avoided. True. And I mean, you can extend that at large to basically manual labor in general at schools. I mean, you can make a damn good living as an electrician, a plumber, or transmission guy can go. I know transmission guys that back in Florida were making over a hundred grand a year, which is a damn good living in South Florida. Yeah, you know? that's a good living. It's more money than I make. <laughs> Way more no, but I mean, there more. you're living pretty comfortably there. Yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Exactly. You're living super comfortable. That's a, but, that's a but good I, living. Having come out of the the new car business on the automotive industry, I, there's a complete shortage of qualified technicians. Yeah. All across the country, and they they're desperate to to get people to get into that career path again. Yeah. Yeah. One of our places that we get instructors from is UTI. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, because all the young, you know, uh, either older teenagers or early twenties, you know, they're wanting to learn how to be an automotive tech. They're going to UTI, and UTI kind of encourages them to, uh, you know, to be aware of what's going on around them and maybe be a volunteer. And so they'll come out and volunteer and help kick the cones, but then also get a chance to get behind the wheel and get some instruction from some of these instructors that we have that are really good. I learn something every time I can. You know, every time yeah, I and I mean, it's not like. These are the grease monkey days. Like you got to have a couple of brain cells to rub together to, to work on modern cars. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> yeah. There's actual troubleshooting there. You're not just doing drum brake jobs, you know. Oh uh, yeah. Well, you got to be a computer engineer, you know, to do the tuning and all the stuff on these cars now. Not like in the old days with a, you know, Carter AFB or a or a Holly where you change the power valve in the jet or a metering rod or something. Now, or as I call them, the bad old days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably the bad old days. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good stuff. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I was looking at the Skip Barber had a teen driving school. And it was it was three hundred bucks, and it was a lot of the lessons you're talking about. Um, yep. Accident avoidance, wet stuff. I never did it. I don't know why I didn't die not doing it, but I got very lucky many times and learned those lessons in like these little minute ways. But it's it's a great program, and you're you're something yeah. Really it's good a, it's a lot of the same principles that we're teaching them. I mm-hmm. think uh, you know what we hope that brakes can accomplish is give these teenagers some hands-on behind the wheel experience to to let them know what can happen what the consequences are of making a bad decision and and so it's not only about the skills and everything else that we teach them but it's about making good decisions you know and Mm -hmm. there's plenty of teenagers that are going to hop in their car their buddy tells them i only had a couple beers go ahead and hop in the car no, dude. Uh, that none yeah. of the, one of the other things we do is we put drunk goggles on them just for the well, reason of getting them to make that decision. Well, that would be dumb to hop in a car with my buddy that's had yeah. a few beers. Well, and they've got their eyes open, too, and that they go, this is hard when I'm not inebriated. Yep. Never mind. Now they go, there's no way I could do that otherwise. Yeah. Right. So it's a lot about making decisions, you know, mm-hmm. making decisions. And, hey, you guys are young. You're going to make a bad decision. It will affect you the rest of your life or of somebody else. Uh, what do we need to do in this country to, to kind of make a program like this as ubiquitous as the D.A.R.E. program? Because when we grew, I understand that program's changed a lot. But when we grew up, I mean, that was all about was just everywhere. fear, you know, fear mongering. And they've changed that a lot. And I understand that. But to me, as you said earlier, the number one killer of teenagers is not drugs and alcohol. It's car crashes. And not that those two don't have a lot of overlap because sure. they do. But – you know, I'd rather see money spent on your program because that, I mean, what do we have to do to get it as ubiquitous as that? Because it's just, it's needed. And that's it's the question. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. You know, uh, most weekends we run, uh, we, we run schools on both sides of the country. So we train uh, about 400 teenagers and probably about 500 parents in a weekend now, yeah. which is, you know, that's a lot, really. One-on-one that's lot. teenagers, that's a lot, and they, it adds up. So we're making a difference. And what we find, too, is that the teenagers that 
are getting the extra training, they kind of turn into the instructors for their buddies. Totally. Too. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they're telling their friend, you know, when they're doing the, you know, the old East LA gangster deal with the hand up on the top of the stream. Well, hey, dude, uh, you know that where that horn is? There's a airbag behind there, and it comes out at 200 miles an hour. It'll break your arm. It will quick. break your arm. Oh, really? Wow. So or what your we're own finding hand will break your face, right? Yeah. 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 So what we're finding is these teenagers that are getting the training, they're going and and working with their friends and actually becoming. You know, they're kind of becoming well, instructors. You know, themselves. that and the other thing is like steering's not very effective when you're doing it from the shoulders either. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. no, the, I'm sure the trickle down effect of, of information has got to be huge. You know, much I the, think I, so. they got that 64 percent from the students, but I'm sure that there is a a further reach riding with if you're riding with someone who is open to you know uh, recognizing that you have more knowledge than they do, and you talk to them about driving, they go, "Oh, I didn't know that." You know, I learned how to drive from my friend Eric, who is a I knew was a better driver than me, and our parents trusted him to take us to drive to Tahoe in the snow. They did not trust me to do that because I didn't have the experience. And it was like that's you know someone who's responsible and knows what they're doing. You should pay attention to that person. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm sure the, the reach yeah, is I think huge. That, I think that happens. Yeah. Oh, so definitely. How do we? You know, I don't know. That's the million dollar question. But we're working on it. I'm. My goal is to train every kid. I mean, I want to train every kid because I don't want any parent to get the phone call that I got. Their kids. Have you guys uh, ever filmed a full session? Uh, yeah, actually. Okay. Uh, we film full sessions. We've got clips on our website, which is putonthebreaks.org. So you go to putonthebreaks.org, and and there's video section on there that says, you know, has quite a bit of good video on there, in addition to all the different exercises that we do uh, with the teenagers. Yeah, just because I think it'd be great. I mean, absent that a lot of people aren't going to see this program, obviously, because you guys are really just getting the ball rolling with it. Um, you know, it's not a nationwide thing, but even if people could just get a little perspective by watching the videos on that that would be sure. that would have some benefit i think well, well and, and i want to correct you a little bit on on the nationwide thing we actually it's not a charlotte based well it's based in charlotte we're this year we're going to do training in 30 that. cities yeah so well we, i mean i don't and i don't mean to deride it on that front i just mean it's like it's not in every school in every district right, right. which is exactly what we like but i mean we've made a we've made a lot of progress so we trained our 20,000th team this past summer mm-hmm. and when you combine that with the parents who attend, who are required to attend with the teen, you know, by the end of the year, we will have put 50,000 safer drivers on the road. But how many drivers are on the road? There's tons. Right, yeah. So we know. So you we think 50,000 is a lot, but in the reality, yeah, it's like. It's a drop in the bucket. So we know we have a lot more to do. And that's why we're always talking to people about. You know, helping us out, getting the word out, helping us with donations. I was um, just about to ask that. Is yeah. there somewhere that we can all go fund this program? Yeah. Breaks is a charity. It's a 501c3 charity. Uh, you can go to the website, put on the breaks. You can make a, uh, like we've got a dad now in Kansas City. He called, and his son was killed in a car crash a few months ago. And he said, look, I, wanna, I want to bring breaks here in, memory, in honor of my son. Mm-hmm. And so he's been doing some work in Kansas City, and we're going there in a couple months. So, And we actually uh, have a page on the site that, that is Bring Breaks to My Town, and it tells you all about what we need to do in order to bring breaks to a new, a new location. Well, one thing we forgot to talk about is everybody asks, well, how much does it cost? Well, breaks is free. That was my whole thing when I started yep. it. I didn't want anybody to not come because, mm-hmm. you know, it's 300 bucks. Right, right? Exactly. That was the reason why you didn't go to totally. the Bondurant thing because it was 300 bucks. Well, I don't want some parent or kid to not come because it's 300, 500, whatever. So coming to the program is free. They go, uh, we, make them, we make them give us a deposit to ensure that they're going to show up because a lot of, you know, we used to, before we started doing that, yeah. we'd have a problem. They just wouldn't show up. And so then we're there with all these cars and drivers and we're ready to train. And we've got 300 kids on a waiting list and we've got kids that don't show up. So we require them to 
put a deposit up, and then when they show up, they can get their deposit back, or they can make a donation, uh, you know, with it if they want to. And the vast majority of people do make the donation because the training that they get is, you know, as you said, it could be five hundred, it could be twelve hundred, it could be fifteen hundred dollars, depending on where you go. They get tons of value, and the deposit's only ninety nine bucks. So usually they leave that behind as a donation. Yeah, you come out of there and you go, hmm, I just got four hours instruction for 25 bucks an hour. Okay. Yeah, that was more than fair. <laughs> <You're fine laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, uh, there's so many different uh, legs on the thing, and I had no idea what I was getting into really um, You know, when I started doing this. I just wanted to do something to uh, make my kids proud, really, and then it just kind of worked well, into something. It sounds like you are. Big. I mean, it sounds I think like I you're, am. you're training a lot of kids to you know, recognize situations. So, I think so. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, it's it's really idea. fun. And it's imagine, fun. like, when those kids grow up, they will be better drivers than their parents, possibly. And then they can at least, you know, I mean, when I have kids and they get their license or nearing it, like, they are going to know oversteer, under, they're going to know all these things because they're probably going to go out when they're 16 and try to do something dumb. And if I want, or maybe they hit just hit some rain or whatever. But, like, I want them to know what to do when the un, uh, unexpected situation in dynamically in that car presents yep. itself. I mean, well, that's the key. you got to know what to do. Speaking yeah. of footprint with this, it would be great to see it go into colleges and things like that. Too. Totally. I have friends that I would sure. like to take to this because they're terrible drivers. My brother has ruined three people. He should do this class. And he, oh, wow. He's 30, so he can't, but he should. <laughs> well, he could come out. We, he, he'd learn something just coming through, you know. Uh, we're going to be this weekend. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know when the show will air. But uh, this will go up next week. Oh, so, so we're uh, yeah. So we we do classes in Southern California at uh, Pomona, at mm -hmm. the Pomona Fairgrounds, at Orange County Fairgrounds. Uh, we've been at Fontana at the Fontana Speedway. Um, gosh, trying to think. Anything up in Northern California? Or? Yep. Uh, Alameda, Alameda at the Alameda Naval Base up there on the bay. Yep. We've mm -hmm. been there a few times. We're working on lots uh, of runoff. Some, yeah, a lot <laughs> of runoff up there. That place is cool. And so we're working on going back there. There's a big uh, spot near near Fort Ord in Monterey that they used to run autocross on an airbase up there. Mm -hmm. If you guys need more parking lot space. Oh, really? See, that's yeah. one of the biggest things that we need is space because it takes to put on the program like we do. It takes about ten acres of pavement. Wow. Yeah, which so is hard to find in a big city. It's mm -hmm. hard because to find. real estate's well, it, expensive. Also, yeah. hard to find uh, affordably. Yeah, that's oh, the yeah. other thing is you can rent a racetrack or you know the parking lots outside of the racetrack but if they're charging you 2 grand a day mm. or 10 grand a day or 10 grand a day, grand a day yeah just, I mean, you it, think it really you could make up. the appeal to them and be like yeah it's a write off if you just give us this empty parking lot for and a week and a lot of places yeah. yes you can and yeah. there, we got places where they're you know they're asking us to come back more frequently than we can afford to go there yeah. but then we've got other places where for whatever reason they say no i rent my parking lots and i can get 6 grand a day for this parking lot I know you're a, a charity, but I'm still not going to give it to you for free. Who are these people so we can publish this? <laughs> Anaheim, uh, Anaheim Stadium is one of them. There you go. <laughs> yeah, folks, uh, we have struggled with If that. you know anyone Stop at Anaheim Stadium. with Anaheim Stadium. <laughs> yeah. It would, it, but it would be really nice because arenas, stadiums, those are perfect places when yeah. they're not in use otherwise. Those are perfect places for well, well, it's every everybody. City, pretty yeah. much every big city has them, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. You know, not every big city has a track. Everybody in the city's got a football or a baseball or a basketball team. Right. So they got a parking lot. All we need is a parking yeah. lot. Um, cool. Well, that's about what we have for time today. Um, if uh, people want to go and make donations, what was the website again? Go to putonthebrakes.org. Okay. Uh, all the information on there, videos on there, everything. Uh, Do you guys uh, take volunteers? or? Absolutely. Yeah, we've got a volunteer sign-up thing. There's uh, all kinds of information on there. If anybody wants to know about that land speed car, they go to lsrproject.com. LSR, Landspeed Oh, record. we're going to want to know more. Yeah, about Landspeed that. Record <laughs> Project, LSRproject.com to check that thing out. Hopefully we'll race that at Bonneville next year. 
And you guys come out and help me. Uh, we probably need some crew guys. <laughs> and the, and the yeah. schedule also for breaks is on that that website as well. So if you if you actually know somebody who has a teenager that you want to sign up, go to putonthebreaks.org and look at the registration. And even if we we are not in the city, uh, as Scott was saying a little bit ago, we've got a thing: bring breaks to your town. And we've also got wait lists started for different cities that we haven't been yet, like Portland. We haven't mm-hmm. been to Portland. We've got a wait list on there. People can go there, sign up, and well, see doesn't if we get everybody enough. in Portland drive a penny farthing anyway? Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, so, you know, there's a lot of places that we haven't been able to go that we want to go. So, we, want, you know, like I said, that's my goal is to drive well, every kid. It's great. I commend you guys on the work you're doing mm-hmm. because uh, drivers suck for the most part, and we could do, an, do with an improvement. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. Sounds like a really Thank good, you, guys. Really we appreciate you guys yeah. spending the time with us today and uh, helping us get the word out. Oh, absolutely. No problem. Yeah. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. All right, guys. Thanks again for coming in. Yeah, man.